Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy, and it's my pleasure to welcome as our special guest for this podcast, Christine Knott, who is the Executive Director of Family House. And I'll ask Christine in a moment to introduce and explain Family House, but just by way of reference, most of these podcasts have been with scientists and clinicians who are doing some very pioneering studies in various aspects of regenerative medicine. Christine brings another important component to these emerging scientific studies and therapies. And so, first of all, Christine, welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And perhaps you can just give us a brief introduction to what Family House is and how you serve your component of this overall program in regenerative medicine. Sure. It's, it's actually one of my favorite things to talk about. Family House is a unique model. We're a nonprofit based here in Pittsburgh. We started in 1983 as a direct partner to the medical facilities here in Pittsburgh. At that time, with the growth in transplant services and also cancer treatment, the clinicians were experiencing large volumes of both patients and their family members with really no place to stay while the patient was being treated. And so it was really a credit to the community to pull together the resources to open our first family house. And in the baseline of it is we provide a true home away from home experience for both now patients and their family members or loved ones during the course of their treatment. We have four facilities here in Oakland, in the section of Pittsburgh. We support the patients and the care at all local hospitals. And we take care of about 10,000 families a year. It's really amazing work. It certainly is, and the fact that the health system supports and provides therapies for people around the world is an important aspect of what you're asked and works diligently to do. So it's an impressive number that you support 10,000 families or patients a year. I think providing support and housing for families is is obvious, but you mentioned patients. So patients, uh, while they're essentially receiving post-hospitalization treatment stay at Family House as well. I think that the easiest way to look at it is when we first opened our doors, the family members were staying at Family House. And we can talk a little bit about what that experience is like in a few moments. But what's happened in the past 28 years is that so much care has evolved that many of the patients can be treated as outpatients. So if you think about it this way, if, if they live locally and the patient was discharged, they'd go home to recuperate perhaps come back to clinic or come back for a a follow-up appointment. If they lived outside of the area, they may not quite be ready to go back home, but they need a transition place. And that's where Family House, I think, really serves uh, the medical care or the delivery of that care uh, in a holistic manner. They can actually live at Family House while still undergoing observation or treatment. And it's really a phenomenal link or bridge between patient bed and home. So these facilities are near the hospital system, so it's convenient for families and for patients to visit and see their clinicians and so forth, I assume. Yeah, uh, actually uh, a number of our houses are either across the street or several blocks away from a primary center of care. But I'd also credit the UPMC system who also provides a shuttle access. So depending on what rooms we have available at what facilities, we can easily get somebody back and forth to the hospital they're being treated in. You said that you and your colleagues provide accommodations for 10,000 customers uh, Mm -hmm. per year. I'm sure you've seen many, many types of pioneering studies that have benefited patients. What what are some of your most memorable uh, instances? 
it's an incredible testament, I think, to the human spirit. You know, you have, for us, a, a house on a typical day might have 100 families living there from all different backgrounds and walks of life, from all different cultures, with different beliefs and different coping techniques in dealing with critical illness. And they find this synergy with each other. And it's really the, the homes are hopeful environments rather than difficult ones. What I see is just such a power of how people can really heal and stay on that journey through critical illness and be positive and look forward to what life will be, even if it's a new normal. I think my, one of my most memorable experiences that I would say of late, we've had a unique opportunity to support some of the newest limb transplant patients and they've been living with us as they're recuperating and healing. And it's, it's a miracle. And one of the patients that was staying with us it's really a, a way for us to learn as well that as medical care changes, the experience that the family and the patient has changes. And so we had to learn how to create a home-like environment for someone who's getting new hands. <laughs> and so the patient that I'm referring to was so giving of his time and his experience to help guide us through that. And there was an article published about his experience. And I think the most important item or element I took from getting to know him was to see him sign his name on this article that we could frame in the house and it, it still chokes me up when I think about it because we met him when he came in for the evaluation and now we see him functioning and being able to do this and interact with people and I'm just so I'm so happy for them. Well, first of all is perhaps on the side you refer to the house and, and the home but these are big facilities that house, I guess, hundreds of people. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think your use of the word house is appropriate because I know your strategy is to make it feel like home. And from the feedback I've received, you've very well accomplished that. You know, it's a credit to the community. We're actually a volunteer-led organization. So often I talk to some of our business leaders here in the community and we're able to truly create a home-like environment. So one of our facilities, our newest that opened uh, just last year, had 48 guest rooms in it. And so you'd find in a guest room all the amenities you'd find in a hotel, a private bathroom, uh, beds, uh, TV, you know, cable, phone, everything that all of us kind of come to expect when we're staying at a, such a place. But it also has a big open kitchen. It, it's a communal living environment. When I say that, you still have the opportunity to have your own space, and that's important to anyone. But I think what naturally occurs is we have a business model that is somewhat akin to running four boutique hotels with social services. And so finding that blend and balance is important. And what I think we do well is we look at the individual needs of a particular family. We can throw out the number, it's 10,000 families or 100 families in house a night, but each person has their own unique need for a home-like environment. And it's really through our volunteer base that we're able to accomplish that. We have 270 volunteers on a regular schedule staffing our house as they choose to be there to be that friend you would hope to have. And that's how we help people navigate their new environment here in Pittsburgh or within the medical center. It's uh, fascinating. It certainly is. And so does it cost money for people to stay at Family House? 
we have a fee-for-service. We have a policy, or our board, we have a strong stance on delivering our mission first, which is creating that home-like environment and no one's ever turned away. And what that means is that we hold our prices at well below 50% of the local hotel market. So right now, a, a single or a double room would run 40 or $50 a night. But the realistic side of it is most people, if they're here for a longer period of time, could simply not afford that. And so we work with any type of outside foundation or fund, uh, medical assistance fund, for example, to cover the lodging for these guests. And if they're not eligible for those types of programs, we actually fundraise each year for our family assistance fund, which subsidizes those rooms, and somebody might be charged $15 or $20 a night. And along with that, we have stocked food pantries. We have, aside from our house volunteers, 150 group volunteers who come in and actually make meals and dinners, and they send us gift cards and do gardening, all kinds of things to involve the guests or their loved ones in. So it's really a, a really unique way of blending all the resources in this area to almost create a community within itself. So it sounds like there's three, four hundred people involved in this enterprise, is that yeah. correct? Yes, it's a big organization. And we're actually the largest hospital hospitality house. That's what our industry is referred to as in the nation. And the start of Family House back in early 1980s, much like some of the medical research and care here, spurred opportunities elsewhere. And so we are part of a network and association across North America called the National Association of Hospital Hospitality Houses, of which we're the largest in the country. And, you know, we learn from each other and uh, we share best practices. And our goal is to make sure that we have the best home-like experience for the guests that have yet to need our services. Well, you shared the point that you're the largest uh, hospitality service for a medical facility in the country. And that probably goes hand in hand with the fact that the health system here is perhaps the largest as well. So mm -hmm. it's a good complementary partnership. Sure. So Christine, I seem to recall that there's some unique features to a family house in Pittsburgh. Could you highlight those for us, please? Sure. I think one of the things we pride ourselves on is anyone who is seeking treatment for any critical illness is eligible to stay at Family House. So we don't have parameters around who can stay with us in terms of whether they're a child or an adult patient, whether they're receiving care under transplant services or for cancer, if it's trauma or emergency related, it's wherever the need is there. And I think with that in mind, we've been able to really be a resource for a variety of care centers here in the region to deliver their services. As people are eligible or willing to come to this area to get the treatment, the big question is, well, how do I afford to go there? And, and what's going to happen to my family? And how will I have a home to go back to? All of those questions and stressors, especially financial devastation, I mean, with critical illness, that's where I think Family House fills a unique need and it really allows them that bridge to heal. So my understanding is that while there are other facilities in other cities that provide somewhat similar services, mm -hmm. many of them are customized to be for cancer treatment or some other particular Correct. type of illness. Correct. And I think what's interesting, going back to my earlier comment on just human nature and you know how powerful the power of hope is, and I find it fascinating when I'm sitting in the kitchen having a cup of coffee with a few of our guests and I'll, I'll talk to someone who, when you hear their story, I mean, it just grabs your heart and you get that lump in your throat and you think, 
oh my goodness, would I be able to deal with this or be as gracious as they seem to be in, in handling it? And they'll say to me, but I met Mrs. So-and-so yesterday and her husband's here and this is what he's going through. And I just heard that and I realized I have it great. And it's almost like rank ordering of all the hardest situations you could ever imagine anyone going through. And by having such variety of people in our homes, it keeps that tempo and keeps that kind of more hopeful mode instead of kind of looking at one-upping each other with how bad their stories are. And then you find, you see people who've met each other just that morning and they shared that they were getting test results tonight and over dinner, somebody will say, oh, let's put a plate of food aside for Mary. You know, she's going to be really late tonight. I know they were getting their test results and I, I think she's really worried. Let's set something aside for her. And you see this little community developing, even amongst people who might be staying one or two nights or somebody who's been there two months or sometimes we've had people up to 24 months. It's a very, a very unique community and a very unique service. Mm -hmm. So I know that from our opportunity to meet clinicians who have been on this podcast in the past, they're performing some very innovative and advanced therapies and surgeries and so forth. You mentioned the hand transplant a few moments ago. And the physicians who have had patients who have been in family house, uh, widely applaud the, the services that you provide, but I suspect there's some very unique aspects of you accommodating uh, different types of patients who have different needs because of their illness, because of the therapies that they received and so forth. So how do you adjust to that almost on a, on a daily basis? Yeah, it is really on a daily basis. We, you know, it's a fine line and I think again a lot of support can be somewhat customized if the criteria is right. And, and when I say that, what I mean is we're not a medical facility. We provide no direct medical care. We're truly a hospitality house. None of our staff members have medical degrees or training. It's kind of, I think, everyone who's part of the family house family in terms of staff or volunteers, we've all been led to this type of work for one reason or another and I think that's the, the commonality and sometimes we have to work with physicians to really better understand the unique needs or whether our environment is indeed the right environment for their patient at that point or stage of their treatment so sometimes it is some personal discussion about what their needs might be I think the one part of Family House that, again, we pride ourselves on is there is an opportunity for that community support. And so often patients or their families don't even know what they need. They're so overwhelmed with just this newfound information or diagnosis. And so what I've often said is to the physicians, at least recommend they get to Family House to get started on their journey here so we can give them that sense of support and then they can determine whether they need some place else down the road, maybe a, a more private apartment or an efficiency or something with a little bit more privacy. But I think most often it's also working with different clinicians to let them know about our services. So many, you know, maybe became familiar with Family House 10 years ago when we had limited rooms and we were turning away so many people. And so they may not feel like they can ever get room at Family House, which was really our mode of operation for a long time. It compelled our board to allow for us to expand um, just two years ago. So we have a lot of rooms available, and we're also able to be a little bit more flexible with our guidelines. And sometimes people can't stay with us without a caregiver, which never was the case in the past. But often, you know, that's 
what families are struggling with now, and not everyone has somebody to be there with them 24-7 through their process. So we kind of work with the physician groups on that and just make sure that we have a point of contact, that we have someone to call in the case of an emergency, and that we would be able to have them support themselves a little bit while they're staying there. I've had the pleasure of meeting some patients who have received some of these very innovative therapies who have also been served by Family House and they are very, very appreciative of, of all that you do. So I say thanks on behalf of the patients to you and to your colleagues. It's a very important part of recovery. Well, thank you so much and thanks for having us here. Thank you for all your good work too. So Christine, it's been a pleasure to have you and to have an opportunity to learn a little bit more about Family House and the important services that you provide. We will list on the podcast website, but I'll remind our listeners here that Family House has a very effective website. It's just familyhouse.org. I'd like to remind our listeners we welcome suggestions in terms of topics to cover. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And as we conclude this podcast, I'd like to say thanks to the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this series. Until we meet again in two weeks, best wishes to all our listeners. Mm -hmm.